Well, that was some good singing. Those are good specials. Good praise sets up good worship and hopefully for your sake some good preaching. Amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 6 for our thoughts this morning. When you get there, if you would, please stand. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to begin with verse 9. But beloved, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we, must, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let's look at verse 9 one more time. But beloved... We are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for this time. You've allowed us to come and assemble in your house and in your name. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's gathered here, your house this morning. Thank you for our members, and Lord, we're thankful for our guests and visitors. Father, I just pray now as we break the bread of life that, Lord, you'll get the honor and the glory. You'll give me the words to say, boldness and authority, those truths you've laid upon my heart to share with your congregation. And Father, you know what everyone stands in need of spiritually. And Father, I just pray those needs to be met this morning. And Lord, if there's one amongst us that doesn't know Christ, let this be their day of salvation before it's eternally too late. But Lord, if anyone needs to come, bless them and bring them to you, Lord, before it's too late. Again, be with those that are sick and afflicted, those prayer requests that have been written down, those that are laid upon our heart that are unspoken. Father, we just uh, ask that you intercede and you do as you see fit. Again, Lord, I thank you for this privilege and honor of sharing your word. Again, Lord, just help me. Or ask it in the name of Christ my Savior. Amen. This morning I want us to look at the phrase that comes out of verse 9 of Paul. And I said Paul because I do believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. But as he's dealing with the Hebrews, he says things that accompany salvation. So I want to talk to you about the things that accompany salvation. And if you'll notice right off the bat in verse 11, notice that word beloved. Yes, that's a word that is used to express love and affection. Who are the beloved that he's talking to? Well, he's talking about those saints of God that have received Christ as their personal Savior. So the very first thing that I believe accompanies salvation is relationship. 
Now, before you can have salvation, you have to have a relationship with God. Now, God offers salvation to everyone. But understand this morning that you've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, we, you know, we could spend all day talking about salvation and not even come close to all that it means for someone that has placed their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. I mean, it's grace, of course. And you know, I don't, I don't deserve it, you don't deserve it, but it's God's showing favor to us because he loves us. And, and when it comes to grace, again, I can't describe in words what God has given us. But this much I do know about salvation. I was once on the slave block of sin. I stood condemned before a holy and righteous God. And because he loved me so much, he went to the cross and he paid the debt for me that I owed him. And he rescued me. He delivered me. He set me free from that slave block of sin. And now... When he sees me, he doesn't see old John as that old sinner that he once was. He sees me as he sees his son. And for everyone that is saved this morning, understand that he has given us salvation. And we have a relationship with him. You know, before, what were we before we come to Christ? Well, Paul said in Ephesians 2 that we were pilgrims and foreigners. But now are we, what, fellow citizens with the saints of God. Oh, that ought to make a Baptist shout. That ought to light your shots, y'all. We are fellow citizens. We have been given an inheritance. Understand, I am. And you that are saved have inherited all of the wonders of God. And that's because we have salvation. And if you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, what's keeping you? He loves you. The The very breath you are breathing this morning by God's grace and he's allowed you another day upon the earth so that you might have the opportunity to come to him. It's remarkable. So, again, one of those things that will follow after salvation is always a relationship. And I am thankful that I belong to him. Paul said also in Ephesians 2 that we are his workmanship. Amen? In Christ Jesus. Because God's ordained it. And I know I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he's telling us. We have been saved because of him. We've been changed. If a man, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become old. No, they're new. You're new. But again, 
Those things, as Paul is addressing the Hebrews, those things that accompany salvation is first and foremost, Brother Cyril, you've got to have that relationship. And then there's got to be, number two, resolve. You say, well, what are you saying? Look at what he says in 9. But beloved, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. You say, well, what does that mean? What's he talking about? Well, if you read chapter 6, Paul is addressing to the Hebrews those that had the opportunity to be saved, but they rejected Christ, and they moved away. Now, I know there are some that will take that verse, and they'll say, see, you can lose your salvation. Hooey, fooey, you never lose eternal life once you obtain it. The Lord saves to the uttermost. Explain to me, when does uttermost ever run out? Uttermost is his best. Understand this morning. He's addressing the Hebrews. Those folks were never saved to begin with. If they were saved, what he's saying is, if they were saved and they could lose their salvation, they would literally put Christ back on the cross. Sorry, he came once, he died once, he's never going to die again. He died to redeem us. But reliance, he's talking about what? Persistence. Persistence. We need to rely on the Lord. And I know. Been in ministry a while now. I've been at this church a while. And I've seen folks come, and I've seen folks go. Amen? Understand, some of them that have come, and they've went, they've gone, are professors, they profess Christ, but they're not possessors. They don't have Christ as their Savior. Now, others have come, they truly profess Christ, they've been saved, but they have, have left. I want you to understand, for a preacher, it kind of discourages us a little bit to see people come and go. But understand something this morning. You don't look at numbers. Amen? You don't do it. I That was a Early lesson I learned. Brother Bill, you don't look at numbers. Hymns, do you see any numbers under Sunday school? No, that's one of the things we stopped doing when I took this pastorate because people will look at that and they'll judge the church. Well, there's only 52 here where two or three are gathered. He's there in the midst. Two or three. Understand. You can't keep people from coming in and going. But I will say this till I draw my last breath. If you are truly a possessor of salvation, it is instilled in us to serve God where he plants us. Amen? Where he 
plants us. You say, well, this ain't a perfect church. No, it's not. Believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe, but your pastor's not perfect either. Amen? We're not perfect, but listen to me. We are forgiven. And we are a child of God. And we preach and we teach and we worship God at this church. And if you're here for the first time or several times and you're looking for a church home, pray and ask God to send you here because we could use you. And you will be fed the word of God here. You will be taught. And you'll have the opportunity to grow and mature in the Lord. So again, come and go. Come and go. Well, John said it best. 1 John 2.19 said, For they were not of us. For no doubt, if they were of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out because they were not of us. Understand, again, if you are truly born again, you will have a desire to worship the Lord in his church. And even though there's lots of faults, nobody's perfect, but you listen, the Lord is Still, Lord over his church and his church will always be around the doors ain't going to be closed if the people are where they're supposed to be amen notice verse 10 for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. We've already learned that a relationship follows and accompanies salvation, reliance. By the way, we depend on each other, don't we? But reliance is also something that will follow our salvation. And also remembrance. You get what Paul told the Hebrews he said for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love so I was thinking about that you know God's got a memory he remembers everything you know what he chooses to forget? Our sins. Far as the east is from the west, your transgressions will he remember no more. Over in chapter 10 of Hebrews, it tells us how the Lord has forgiven us and cleansed us from all sin. Even Micah chapter 7 talks about how he takes away our transgressions and he casts our sins into the sea. Aren't you glad he forgot about our sins? 
You see, here's a thought. This hit me. You know, when he saved me, he knew exactly what I was before he extended grace and salvation to me. He knew how sorry I was. I, I attest with Paul, I'm the chiefest among sinners. But he knew exactly what I was before. And guess what? He knows what I am now. And he knows I still have some edges that he needs to shake off. Yeah. I'm a big old lump. Hush. I'm a lump of clay. But he still has to remove. You're laughing, sister? You think that's funny? Sister Coco, go to your room. Understand, we're all lumps of clay. And every one of us is marred. There's nobody sitting in here that's perfect. There's nobody that doesn't trip up from time to time. Now listen, here's the difference. Folks that can trip up and it not bother them and they can continue to trip up and trip up and live any old way they want to, they better check their salvation because when I trip up, the Holy Spirit convicts me right then, right there, and I feel miserable until I make things right with God. And I don't have that desire. I'm not perfect. I will be one day, but it ain't going to be here. When I fail the Lord here, I have the desire to pick myself up after getting on my knees and asking the Lord to forgive me and then move on. Because when he forgives, he forgets. And this I hope this doesn't sound bad by what I'm fixing to say is, but I'm thankful that even though God is all-knowing, I am thankful that he is able not to remember what he chooses not to remember. I am never, and you're never, if you're saved, going to ever have to be called to the carpet before the Lord and he's going to judge us for the sins that we have committed. You know why? Because Jesus, once and for all, was judged for our sins. Past present, and future. Christ's righteousness has been imputed to all of his children that are saved. So, remembrance also accompanies salvation. And then there's responsibility that accompanies salvation. Notice what it says. For God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered and do minister. First of all, which he is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name. Now, we have a responsibility after we're saved, to the Savior. Do you all agree with that? We do. Why? Because we've been bought with a price. 
And as I said earlier, he has redeemed us. He has set us free from the captivity of sin. And we have been forgiven. But we have a responsibility to the Savior to not just live any old way we want to, but to live in a manner that honors and glorifies him every day of our life. And let me just say there's no vacations in serving the Lord. had a preacher friend of mine tell me about one of his families, and they were active in the church. I mean, every time the doors were open, they were always there, but they came to him right before the kids got out of school, like a week before school was going to let out. And they said, now, Pastor, we're going to take off the summer with our kids. And he goes, what do you mean you're going to take off? Well, we're not going to be coming to church because we want our kids to relax and enjoy the summer. He said he looked at them and said, hmm. He goes, if you will take my Bible and show me where you can take off being a Christian, he goes, I'll understand. Well, pastor, you know. He goes, no, you won't find it. Folks, we have a responsibility to the Savior. We have a responsibility to serve him every day that he gives us breath. We have a responsibility to serve him and live in a manner that glorifies him. Now, I believe in the security of the believer. I'm thankful for that. But because I have that liberty and that privilege, it does not give me a right to live any old way I want to to hurt my testimony or the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. So understand this morning, we have that responsibility. But we also have a responsibility, notice what he says, minister to the saints and do minister. So we also have a responsibility to not only the Savior, but to the saints. You know, we got a family when we become children of God, don't we? This is our family. And the Lord wants us to look out for our family, our brothers and our sisters. I'm here to tell you, listen, I have felt no greater love than from the Lord's family, his people. Now, I've got a loving family, but you know what? Your love still exceeds that of my own flesh and blood. And you've heard the old saying, right? Blood is thicker than water. It's true for the Christian because we have been washed white by the blood of Christ. Amen? Blood is thicker than but we're to look out for one another. We're to encourage one another. In fact, the Bible tells us to do good unto all men, especially of them that are of the household of faith. There should not be one member here that is struggling that we shouldn't come up behind and pray and help if there's a need. We should look for that need and meet it as brothers and sisters in Christ. So, we have that responsibility. 
to him and to the saints. Our problem is sometimes we get mad at one another. And we know what the Bible says. You got ought, you're supposed to go to that brother or that sister and get it taken care of. But no, we are mad. We're going to let it just fester and fester till we finally just blow up and cause havoc in the whole church. Folks, you're on dangerous ground. You do that. We are to forgive because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Amen? Don't forget that. For Christ's sake, we're forgiven. We are to be willing to forgive one another. Look at verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. Resolve. Until when? The end. So what is that saying? What's Paul telling the Hebrews? That you and I should serve God to the best of our ability till either we are raptured out of here, and that's my prayer, we're taken up, or until we die. And, beloved, if you know Jesus, dying ain't bad either. To be absent from this old body is to be present with the Lord. But we need to have a resolve to endure until the end. Don't quit on God. Serve God. And yes, there will come times that you'll even question, what am I doing here? Why am I going through all of this? Did you ever stop to think that God's allowed you to endure and go through what you're going through so that you will draw closer to him and that others might see how you react and that they might learn to draw close to him also? Then he says one other thing. He says... That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the the promises. Understand what he's talking about here as far as resolve. He's talking about following those Christians that are mature falling after their pattern, watching them. You know, there's been many times in my ministry where I have been down and I've needed encouragement and I've been able to go to a dear saint of God and say, will you pray with me? And they've offered me sound biblical advice. I tell you what, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Nothing. 
but he's also encouraging them to excel. And what he's talking about is grow up, mature in Christ. And I'll go ahead and tell you, you can be saved, but if you're not willing to spend time in prayer and in the Word of God and with God's people in His church worshiping, then you're not going to grow. I hate to say this, but too many Baptists out there in the pews are still on a bottle of milk and not the Word of God, the meat, the neat things of God. We need to excel at that. Our churches are hurting today because there is a lack of folks wanting to mature. And you're going to be sad. And you mark this day. This old preacher told you, you're going to be sad one day when you stand before the Lord. And yes, you're saved. And yes, your sins are forgiven. He's not going to judge you for your sins. That's been taken care of at the cross. But you're going to be sad when you have chosen to make up your mind, I'm saved, that's all. I'm just going to take up two foot on the pew and I ain't going anywhere else. That's a shame. There's going to be a lot of old Baptists with the heads hung down because they're not willing to excel in their walk. So, beloved, those are things that accompany salvation, and there's many, many more things that accompany salvation. But I've got a question to ask you. Think about today. And your walk today. And think about is it exactly the same as it was on this day last year? If there hasn't been any growth, then you failed in your commitment to God. Oh, preacher, don't. I'm sorry I done said it. Think about that. Only you can answer that. I want to challenge all of you this morning, and I'm talking about myself also, to improve in our walk with Christ every single day. Grow more and more. Spend more and more time with the Lord and with His people at church when the doors are open. I'll tell you how what we're like. You see... Everybody likes to ride the train of blessing, don't they? Oh, I love that train ride. God just blesses and blesses and blesses and blesses, and I take and I take and I take, but oh, no, now, Lord, don't ask me to do that. Don't ask me to give that. Don't ask me to go over there and tell them about you. But boy, Lord, let me climb back up on that train. Blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. And he sure does bless us a lot more than we deserve. That's that grace spoke of earlier. But understand, there's certain things that follow salvation. And with our salvation, which is a precious, precious thing, there is responsibility. Sometimes that responsibility 
is of great cost. The Bible says, any man having put his hand on the plow and looking back is unfit for the kingdom of God. He also said before we come, we better consider the cost because it costs. God asks all of us to serve him. And I'll be the first to tell you, sometimes he asks it and you say, Lord, can't you just move on to the next fella? Give me a little rest. Give me a break. Let him do it. After all, Lord, I'm doing this and this and this. And we try to prove how worthy we are to the Lord. Maybe he'll let us take a break. Can I tell you something? I'm not worthy or never will be. But I'm a part of Christ. Two, he wouldn't ask me to do something if he didn't want me to do it. He wouldn't speak to my heart. So if God is speaking to your heart, listen to his voice. Obey it. You say, but it might cost me. What did it cost Jesus 2,000 years ago? To do the will of the Father. I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. I still, after all these years here, I still say, Lord, I don't understand. I mean, Las Vegas, of all places. It used to be Texas for me. Oh, I don't want to go to Texas. I don't want to go to Texas. Them old, them old cowboys there, I'll have to. But, well, at least I'd teach you how to use a wheelbarrow. That's why we make fun of Texans. They don't say nothing, Ohio. I kid and jest. God has a plan for you and for me. And he saved us. And he saved us because we have a responsibility. And he wants me to endure. He wants you to endure. He wants me to excel at my service for him. You also. And those are just, again, the tip of the iceberg of what all accompanies salvation. There's a whole lot more. But the bottom line here is if you're not saved, you don't know what I've been talking about. It's just Greek to you. But if you'll open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and say, hey, what he said is true. You need to come to the altar and give your heart to Christ. If you'll obey his voice, he'll save you this morning. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, child of God, saying, hey, there are some areas in your life that we need to work on. Get up here and ask me for some help. You come because he will give you help. And who here is man enough
come forward to God and say, you know, Lord, I'm just here. I just want to surrender. I want you to use me any way you want to. But I am surrendering here and now. Do it. He's coming. It's a lot sooner than you think. It's at the door. I believe that. If I didn't, I wouldn't preach it. But I believe it. Is he going to find us working? Not to obtain salvation because, again, we're saved by grace through faith. But working for him. I love that song. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work. That's what we should all be doing this morning. Amen.